Welcome to Making Strides for Animal Chiropractic, where we promote integration and collaboration. Whether you are just starting your practice or you are ready to push the profession forward, we aim to provide you all the tools necessary to form relationships and educate your community. After all, spines of all sizes deserve to be adjusted. Welcome to our podcast and thanks for listening. Hey guys, Dr. Katie here with Making Strides for Animal Chiropractic. Have you ever given a report of findings like you learned in school and look at your patient owners just look at you like you're a weirdo witch doctor? Yeah, that was me for the first couple years of practice. I quickly figured out that the report of findings I learned in school did not work. Okay, animal owners don't care about the S word, subluxation, and I'm going to personally tell you from my experience that that's not what you need to be talking about during a new patient appointment. If you want to actually talk to your patients where they're at, and deliver on what they need so you can keep them as a client, then you need to actually talk about these four things that we're going to talk about in the podcast today. But first, before we get started, we're going to have a quick word from our sponsors. Hey guys, treating patients is not about doing everything alone. When you're starting a practice, it can be hard getting out there, marketing yourself, talking to other providers about what you do. I get it. I am strongly introverted. I do not like talking to other people. And the last thing I want to do is try and sell myself. But it is really important when I'm working on patients that I remember I am working together as a team. So there are other parts to the animal care team and I need to do my part to reach out and talk with them and learn from them about what is important that they're doing that impacts what I'm doing and vice versa. So I really love the Evidence-Based Chiropractor, a program developed by Dr. Jeffrey Langmaid because it helps bridge the gap between medical doctors and chiropractors so that way we can figure out what is best for our patients. If you'd like to learn a little bit more about his program, I recommend you looking him up on the Evidence-Based Chiropractor chiropractor.com. Hey guys, it's Dr. Kate with Making Strides for Animal Chiropractic, and today we're going to talk about the report of findings. I know a lot of you have learned a report of findings at your animal chiropractic course, and I'm not saying that that report of findings is completely wrong. I'm saying that there's a time and place for it. Before we go into a huge long speech where we're essentially word vomiting on a pet parent, There's four things we need to do first. So if I'm an animal owner and I'm coming into you with my dog Fluffy and Fluffy's 15 and he's been on pain meds for the past three years and I can't afford surgery and the vets told me there's nothing else they can do but maybe chiropractic care would help. So I'm bringing in Fluffy for a chiropractic appointment and I have no idea if it's going to work and I show up to the appointment and then I listen to this doctor say a lot of big words, and then I go home, what am I going to be? I'd be frustrated, right? Because I wasn't actually heard during that appointment. I didn't know if I was in the right place. I didn't know if it was going to work. I didn't know how long it was going to take. And I, I felt like that doctor didn't hear me when I went to an appointment. And they said a lot of big words that I didn't understand. So the number one complaint I hear across the board for anything medical or veterinary is my doctor just doesn't listen. I want you to hear me when I say that. My doctor just doesn't listen. We did not get into the field of animal chiropractic to be like other doctors. We went into this field to actually address the complaints that people are coming to our business for. So let me ask you, did you start your business to make money? Or did you start your business to solve other people's problems? Hopefully, you're a human being 
and a doctor that wants to help people actually get better. You're not in this just to make money. And when you have a Sally who brings you a Fluffy and uh, Fluffy's literally on his last leg, we need to be mindful that we need to meet this owner energetically where they are at and not just word vomit all over them with a speech we just carbon copied from our textbook, right? So I say this with a lot of emotion because I do deal with a lot of geriatric pet parents. And um, before I get into what I need them to hear, I have to hear what they have to say. So the difference between a malpractice suit and a great Google review is just eight minutes. So when a patient walks through your doors, the goal is not to get them in and out as fast as possible. If you have a brick and mortar or if you have a mobile practice aside, we shouldn't quantify our patients, like how many patient visits are we seeing. We should really focus on quality and sustainability, like we're charging enough for our time, right? But when we're talking to a patient, how long is our patient visit and how long are we actually letting the patient discuss their case with us? Like, are we treating them like a family member or are we treating them like a commodity, right? So when someone comes in and they're talking to us, in those eight minutes on average, right, a patient should feel like the doctor has heard their concerns, has addressed their concerns, and has given them a viable form of treatment. Now, if a doctor comes in, interjects, and interrupts you within 30 seconds and says, I know exactly what's wrong with you and writes you a prescription and then leaves in less than two minutes, well, then you're going to be frustrated, right? So compare that to somebody who comes in, sits down, looks at you and says, what's going on? And then listens to you for three or four minutes, asks some qualifying questions, and then says, hmm, this sounds like this. I've definitely seen this before. I think I can help you. This is what I recommend. And this is a success I've seen in the past. Do you have any questions? Answers your questions and then leaves. What is the difference in the patient experience? Now I know I'm kind of um, stereotyping the two different doctors here. Dr. A, who's very, um, you know, uh, fast and short and, um, is probably stressed and has a bunch of patient notes to do and insurance um, uh, files to claim. And um, Dr. B is what we hopefully all should aspire to be. And I'm not going to make a statement as to what healthcare looks like now, especially in the U.S., but we should all try and be Dr. B, right? Where we're taking our time, we're listening to people, and we're trying to get their their complaints solved, right? Because when people start with you, they have a problem they want solved, right? And business should not be about making money off of that patient or that problem. It should be about solving the problems and money comes as a byproduct. So when I worked on people for two and a half years, um, we had a practice management group that the number one thing um, that was super beneficial to our patient experience was what we would call the right place promise. And I know that sounds corny and cheesy, but when patients would come into our office and they'd be anxious and not sure if they were in the right place for what they had going on, we would just take some time to say, hey, look, I know you're scared. Um, you may not be sure if this is the right place for you, but I wanted to let you know that you're in the right place. We see stuff like this all the time. Dr. Smith is excellent. Um, and he or she is going to help you 
with what you got going on. Now we'd have a CA that would do that, an assistant, but you can also do this for yourself if you're a mobile chiropractor and say, hey, look, I see stuff like this all the time. I definitely think you're in the right place. If it's disingenuine, you don't feel like you can say that, you can say, I have colleagues that see stuff like this all the time with great success with chiropractic care. Or alternatively, if you feel like they're not in the right place, say, you know what, before I waste any of your time or money, I want to let you know this does not look, a, look like a good chiropractic case. I'm going to find you uh, someone who's the right fit based upon what you have going on and make sure you get to the right place. Now, you want people to know that you're not going to waste their time or money and that what they are doing is a worthwhile investment of their time. So if they're coming in with a pet with, say, intervertebral disc disease, you would say, yeah, I see pets with intervertebral disc disease all the time. Usually they respond in about four or six visits, and I really think that Fluffy's in the right place today. I think he's a great chiropractic candidate. People breathe a sigh of relief when you go through and you just take an extra second to address the elephant in the room. They brought you a dog they don't know is going to live another day, and you just said, you're in the right place, I can help you, right? Because the number one question people have when they get started is, can you help me? Yes or no? That's what they want to know. Cut to the chase. Can you help me? Yes or no? All right? And even if you're the shortest person on the face of planet Earth, and they look at you with those eyes, I call it, (laughs) just say, yes, I can help you. If you can't, say, no, I can't, right? But um, I would always have animal owners that would call me on the phone, and they'd have this story. they say, so I have this dog, and he's 15, and then they'd go into this spiel, right? When people call you, you have to realize that um, veterinary medicine is a little bit behind human medicine to where, you know, yes, we have Dr. Google, but um, people want to feel heard, they want to feel like they're talking to another person. And in a day and an age where we've taken away so much of the human element from business, like think about this. You can pick up your phone and text somebody and get a response instantly. Or you can go to an online scheduler and schedule an appointment instantly. You don't even have to talk to a person. Or sometimes you can even go on social media and you can schedule an appointment without ever meeting somebody. Just by looking at the reviews, you go to their website, you schedule an appointment. What is your first impression of a business if there's no human element, right? It's great to automate and delegate, but we have a new patient come in and we don't cater to them like a human, how are they gonna feel, right? We don't want people to come in and feel like we're, you know, just herding cattle through. We want them to feel like we're taking our time with them and treating them well, because we may not have had that opportunity to build a relationship, the preload as I call it, before they come in for their actual appointment. So this is a roundabout way of saying, one, we have to address the elephant in the room by saying you're in the right place. All right. New patient comes in. Yes, I can help you. You're in the right place. Then second, we're going to move into the actual appointment. Okay. So you let the animal owner go ahead and talk. So you're like Dr. B. You say, what's going on? They talk to you. And then if you want, you know, I have some animal owners that talk a lot. You multitask and you do your exam while they're talking to you. And then you do the summary, as I call it. So you give them a summary based upon what they're telling you. Now, this is the part where we're listening and asking clarifying questions. We're not listening to reply. Now, when somebody gives you the speech, like, this is Lucky, and he's come in, he's 15, and he's been struggling with stairs, and it's been going on for three weeks, and we tried pain medication, and our vet said that we can't do pain meds anymore because his kidneys aren't great, and then they go into this whole long spiel, 
You wait for about, you know, a couple minutes. You listen intently. And then you go into the summary of what they've told you. So you want to address what they've said to you and repeat it back to them. I don't want it to feel like a, I heard you say, and then you just fill in the blank and mirror what they say to you. But this is basically a short summary of what's going to go into your AHR record or your patient note, your SOAP note, um, to basically um, you, you and the owner are agreeing as to what's being communicated between the two of you. So you say, oh, Sally, thank you so much for bringing Fluffy in today. I heard that uh, Fluffy's been struggling for the past three weeks. And he's had episodes in the past, but um, he's really struggling today with back pain. And he can't get around the house. He can't get outside. And you really notice his mobility is struggling. And you've tried pain meds in the past. And you can't do them anymore because your vet said his kidneys are not doing so great. And you're hoping with chiropractic care we can get his quality of life back up. Does that sound right? And you ask for clarification. Okay. So I'm going to dissect that a little bit. When you're talking to Sally about her dog, you ask him, what's going on? Ask her, what's going on? How long have they had this problem? What caused it? What have they already tried and what their goals are with chiropractic care? Okay, so it seems pretty simple, but most animal owners will tell you that, not exactly in that order, but you just pick it up, write a bullet list in your head of your OPQRST, when did it start? How did it happen? How long has it been going on? What have they already tried? And what are you hoping to achieve? Okay, make yourself a short list of those things. Spit it back out at your owner. Say, does that sound right? And if they say it doesn't sound right, then you can um, fix that communication error based upon um, what the owner is actually trying to tell you. There's a lot of times, too, where people call me clairvoyant, where they'll say, you know, Lucky sometimes also doesn't sit very square, and they'll just throw it in there, and then I'll be doing my hands-on evaluation while they're talking to me, and I'll say, hold on a sec, does Lucky also sometimes hold up his leg and skip on it? And they'll be like, oh yeah, how'd you know he did that? And I'll be feeling some instability in the knee, um, and the vet has diagnosed luxating patella, and then they'll be like, oh yeah, you know, um, I forgot about that. Um, so it's one of those things where you pay attention, you repeat back what they've said to you about what's going on and you also say oh is this also an issue um and maybe you tack some of those things on okay and you be observant and you ask for clarification with the animal owner all right so we've asked the owner what's going on how long has it been going on for what are we hoping to achieve what have you already tried and then we do the hands-on evaluation if you're feeling unlucky and lucky has some instability in the knee and um, you mess with his knee and then he limps off or say you push on his back and it's crawling really bad um, called a hyperpaniculus response then you point out to the owner and say hey look do you see this and if you want them to feel it if they're a tactile person and say hey feel this right if you feel a tight muscle or something like that so I call a show and tell section show and tell section is literally where you find stuff on an exam and God willing the patient is cooperative enough but you let the owner experience and see what you are finding and feeling. The coolest thing about animal chiropractic is you will find stuff and you'll fix it and what you found is gone in two seconds or less. It's the coolest thing ever. So what I'll do during my um, visits is I'll go through and I will let them feel it, and then I'll fix it, and then I'll let them feel it again. I'll be like, oh my god, that's so much better, right? So I have immediate gratification, because this world is built on immediate gratification, okay? 
So I listen to the owner. I show them what's wrong. And then I'm going to go into, finally, my report of findings speech. Okay, of, okay, this is what we did today. This is what I expect moving forward. This is what you're going to find after the adjustment. Maybe they'll be sore. This is what I want you to do. So then you finally go into the instructions part. Okay, and if there's any limitations with chiropractic care, say you have a pet that um, the vet referred to you for a knee complaint, but you know in your heart of hearts that that pet actually isn't a good chiropractic case and needs to go back to the vet. You say, look, chiropractic care can't actually fix this. I know you're hoping that it would, but this is actually something that needs to be co-managed with your vet. So I'm going to do a, a trial of care for about three visits, but if we don't see improvement, I'm going to refer you back to your vet um, for further follow-up. Okay, and the owners do appreciate you telling them that, look, I know our goal is to get rid of the limp, but I don't think that's actually attainable, right? So that way they know, okay, well, you can help me, but maybe you can't reach the goal that I'm looking for. So then it may be a good idea to add in other therapies that we would need to get Fluffy to feeling their very best, right? Now, these four steps of reassuring an owner, letting them know they're in the right place, Repeating back what they've told you, your OPQRST, showing and telling them what's going on with their pet, and then giving them the expectations of what is going to come next and the limitations of chiropractic care, if there are any based upon their goals, is a great place to start before you word vomit on a pet parent who's nervous and anxious just about their pet living another day, for example. Now, I know a lot of this... um, seems like duh right but sometimes we get so far in our heads to where we just start touching a patient and we forget to address the person at the end of the leash and what their needs are and uh, i would see a lot of people come through um, that are new in animal chiropractic practice and they forget that um, retention is a really big part about keeping your business sustainable And if you don't focus on keeping the owners happy, the one who pays the bills, um, well, then we can't keep our lights on, quote unquote, right? And um, it's important that we slow down. We remember that our business is here to solve people's problems. And we need to be a human and address the other humans' problems and why they're here and using us in our business, okay? All right, guys, so those four tips, again, are reassuring the owner to let them know they're in the right place. Summarize what they're telling you via OPQRST and repeat it back and ask for clarification. Show them what's going on and let them see the changes that chiropractic care is going to make. And then give them instructions as to what to expect after the adjustment and let them know any limitations based upon their goals that they have for their animal. I hope that these tips have served you and your business. If you like what we're doing, please scroll down. Leave us a like, a review. Let me know if you like this podcast by leaving me some commentary. And if you'd like, you can also join us on Facebook at Making Strides for Animal Chiropractic. We have a Facebook group full of other professionals that are wanting to see you succeed. And if you'd like more tips just like this, you can look us up on our website, makingstridesforanimalchiropractic.com, where we have a course that's designed to help you grow your business the right way from day one called the Business Basics course. I'd love if you would join us and uh, see what we have to offer. Until next time, we'll talk soon.
Thanks for tuning into the podcast. I hope these free tools have served you and your business so you can serve more patients. It's really tough being an animal chiropractor. I know it. You're trying to meet all these people, trying to get their vet to sign these referral forms, and you don't know if you can make your business work financially. It's hard. I get it. Now, when I first got started, all of my chiropractic mentors told me you have to do all these marketing events, meet all these people you don't know, shake a lot of hands, and get them into your practice. I was always wondering where my next new patient was going to come from. And if I'm being honest with you all, it wasn't sustainable. It always put fear in my head that I would never have a practice of my dreams. So fast forward a couple years, and here I am with a successful and thriving animal chiropractic practice. And it took a lot of mindset shifts in order to get here. What I thought and what I was told would work didn't work for me. So I had to develop a program that worked for a strongly introverted, kind of awkward person who just loves animals and wants to serve them well. I had to shift away from always thinking about where I'm going to get my new patients in to instead focusing on the relationships I built in my community and becoming an authority figure on animal chiropractic. So you guys, I have a free course that's going to tell you a little bit more about how I made these mindset shifts and why I started this Making Strides movement. So that way we can push the animal chiropractic profession forward. Please join us on makingstridesforanimalchiropractic.com. Take the free course and see what it has to offer you. Hey guys, Dr. Katie here. Thanks for listening. My intention behind starting this podcast was to build awareness and promote our amazing profession. If you like what we're doing here, please like, share, or leave a review. Help us to spread this movement so we all can begin to take steps towards change. Let's make strides for animal chiropractic.